What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as we usually do. How you doing, Rich? I'm doing good, man. Uh, today we are on to a really interesting team to talk about. Obviously, uh, one of the biggest teams, the biggest off-seasons, uh, the LA Clippers. And today we've got Nikki Kay, sports reporter from Spectrum LA, as well as the Clippers Beat podcast, uh, here to talk to us about the Clippers. How you doing today, Nikki? What's up, you guys? This is awesome. The NBA is just at an all-time premium right now, and I'm so excited. Especially, you know what? I think the uh, Kings might have been done an injustice with the amount of national TV games they were given this year. I think they might be a, a late ad for a couple of primetime slots. We definitely agree with you, obviously. we have th- It's absolutely ridiculous. They're way too fun. They are one of the league pass teams. And of course you're excited. You just got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on your team. How could you not? But before we kind of go into the offseason and next season a little bit, we usually start with recapping last year. And you lost some guys in Gallinari and Gilgis Alexander. But the team, uh, a lot of the surrounding cast is still the same. And what were some of your main takeaways from a overperforming a little bit and fun 48-win team last year? I think the biggest takeaway from this team is that they've got a dog and a fight in them. Um, Doc Rivers called them last year a black top team. And that's kind of one of my favorite ways to describe them. I mean, you think about the style of basketball played on a black top. It's gritty. It's not super pretty. But you're always going to get 180% effort. And that's what that's why I really fell in love with covering this squad because um, the guys are humble. They've got a blue-collar work ethic. And... Uh, I mean, Patrick Beverly is just kind of like the epitome of it all, right? So um, I think that's the biggest takeaway from this roster in its continuity is that they are just a bunch of tough guys who are never going to let you take a night off. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny you mentioned the the sort of dog mentality because uh, <laughs> my co-host, Brendan, that's his number one favorite thing about players. He's a... Uh, Big Austin Rivers fan for that reason, but I digress. Uh, Pat Bev is definitely one of those guys you just do not want to see defending you uh, when you got the ball. And another guy who plays with a huge amount of energy just killed the Kings last year. Uh, uh, the table, Montrezl Harrell, or excuse me, correct my pronunciation, not Montrez Harrell. Um, what did you see from him? I know he, he's a really exciting young guy. Yeah, sorry guys, hold on, I'm going to pause. To set the scene a little bit right now, where, where I am and dealing with some noise, I am currently, I know you and we talked about it before we hopped on the pod, but currently at the USA Basketball Friendly 
against Spain and didn't realize that the media room I was currently situated in was primed for uh, the ambient noise of the arena. So moving into a much quieter location here. So po- apologizing to everyone on the pod for that that noise, but found a much quieter spot and hopefully uh, it doesn't happen again. But anyways, we're talking about Trez, right? Trez is coming off off the bench and First of all, have you guys noticed his shoe game? I have not, but it's certainly been a topic that we we love uh, talking about the shoes uh, on this pod. The Aaron got some new uh, Air uh, Air Maxes out there, but what has Trez been doing? Oh, Trez Trez ha- like has authentic or custom designs just about every game. He switches them in at halftime, and I mean between him and Paul George now, there's going to be some serious heat in the Clippers locker room when it comes to shoe game. Um, so definitely put Trez on your sneaker watch list because that guy, that guy knows no boundaries with the designs and, and, uh, graphics he gets put on his sneakers. But no, I think, I think what you saw from him was a huge step forward last season. Um, and definitely a valuable asset down low for the Clippers. I do think they're, they're, um, center position right now is a little bit like that's where it, they might be looking to pick up the bargain bin piece uh, later in the se- season. Um, just because Trez isn't a true rim protector, I would say, but you know what? Uh, he, he has taken in- incredible steps forward and um, looking forward to seeing what he does uh, this season as well. And kind of his partner in crime in Lou Williams, one of the best pick and rolls, if that not the pick best and pick and roll. Yes. Yeah. We hate it. We hate it. I'm sure you love it, but we yeah. hate it. And they figured things out in Miami last three season. That's where that kind of pick and roll chemistry really developed. And that Miami mini camp should be coming up in a couple of weeks here for the team too. So who knows what else they're going to unlock. Interesting. And I'm curious what you think of Lou kind of having a new role. Um, when when Tobias Harris got traded, it felt like Lou Williams was the guy on the team. If he wasn't already kind of before Tobias left, but he's definitely not going to be that with the two superstars that are coming into the locker room. So how do you think he adjusts to the new rule? The one thing I've taken away from covering Lou is that he's a pro's pro in the sense that he has kind of, uh, the all the, the chatter, the... Uh, the six man title, which might have been perceived as an initial insult, I guess, or kind of like, Hey, you're the six man. He now carries that as a badge of honor and pride. And so I think for him with all his, you know, veteran status in the league it, and the respect that other guys give him, it's not, he's not really going to be affected by Paul George and Kawhi, uh, joining the roster because he's got that definitive role as the walking bucket that comes in with the, the bench unit and I got a chance to talk to him before the announcement of Kawhi and Paul and even then you know people were asking like hey what would it mean to have those two or what would it mean to have Kawhi because PG wasn't even a part of the conversation um they're asking Lou what would it mean to have Kawhi on this team and he went along the lines of like like you know hey um it'd be great to have Kawhi but you know, look at what we accomplished without him. We're going to be just fine either way. So I think he has that swagger uh, that you definitely see on the offensive end of the basketball court, and that's not going to really face him. With, if anything, he's probably 
stoked to have two uh, more seasoned vets join join them in the ranks. And it's tough to to not move on to the the headliners and the two superstars that are joining the Clippers, but one more guy I got to ask about from last season and a guy that is departing the team uh, in Danilo Gallinari, he really had an outstanding year. I, I think it was quiet because uh, he's dealt with a lot of injuries in the past, not really an 82-game player, not even an 80-75-game-a-year player, but really was outstanding last season. And I know he had some consideration there for third-team All-NBA type of votes, but is he a guy who's really going to be missed going forward? Um, I mean, I I think you look at the career year Gallo had, and I I wouldn't necessarily say missed. Um, obviously, he was a huge piece for that Clippers roster, but filling that void with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, uh, you're willing to take take the hit of losing Gallo. Uh, it was incredible to see him have the success he did after, like you said, a career riddled with injuries. And I do think. You know, this, that being aside, like, the Thunder might have some serious steam as an underrated contender, not contender, but as an underrated, uh, threat in the West, uh, to, you know, shake up some, shake up some standings, uh, as we see the season play out. But, um, I hope Gallo, the best for Gallo. He, he gave his all to the Clippers as well. Talking about him like he's dead. He's not dead, but, you know. <laughs> For the sake of the Kings, the last thing we need is another one of these teams fighting for the West playoffs. It's already I know, right? enough. I was pulling for you guys. I was really pulling for you guys last season. I And we hope we got it this year. But the, yeah. the obvious big news is the day, like Rich said, the headliners that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George came over to the team. I mean, I guess just to start, what was your reaction when you found that out? I mean... It's pretty much instantly finding out that you're a title contender or maybe even the favorite. It was, I was, I was shocked. And it was like, you know, that late Friday night drop, there were the earthquakes here in Southern California, Vegas area. And you know that news that you get when it's like you fire off a couple of all caps tweets consecutively just because your like mouth is open and you can't believe it and you're kind of grinning and I mean I'm sorry Kings fans I don't I don't know if that's something <laughs> you're you're too familiar with no just kidding shade aside but um it I was I remember first the Kawhi announcement um I was a little worried you know my sources within the franchise I hadn't heard anything really the people we guys heard like Doc Rivers had made a last minute adjustment to his presentation, but then really nothing out of that. And, and the chatter in Los Angeles was all about the Lakers, all about the Lakers. Um, and then you hear the Kevin Durant choosing to go to Brooklyn. And so it's like, okay, not looking good for Kawhi to team up with another superstar in, in a Clippers uniform. And then not only the, the Woj bomb of, of, Kawhi coming to the Clippers, but minutes after getting the Paul George news, it's just incredible. What mastery by Kawhi's camp. It really was a one-two punch to see that, to see that pop up. I mean, it was shocking news at the time. And I, I heard just before we started recording, you mentioned that you've got some familiarity with Paul George having covered the Thunder. Um, what can you tell us about this combo? I, obviously it's going to be devastating, but specifically, what are you most excited to see uh, from the Clippers next year with these guys? So let's just say, you know, health progresses uh, 
in a in a positive trend for both of them. You know, Paul comes back, and whether that injury timeline, you you hear anything like, yes, he will miss some of the start of the season too. I think like Kevin O'Connor on the Ringer was projecting as long as six weeks, um, which could be lengthy, and that could be a lot of games. But if he comes back, what I would really love for Paul is just to see him play um, in continuation with the you know, MVP campaign he had last season um, until about March, April, I think was when it started dropping off. But he found his rhythm and he's such an agreeable guy. And I think he is fine not being, you know, the A, the A guy on any given roster, which is why the pairing between him and a superstar like Kawhi Leonard should hope should hopefully just flow. What I'm most excited to see between the two of them is the defense, man. They are going to be nasty. And you put a, like an on-ball defender like Pat Beverly out there on the court and then just allow Paul to roam passing lanes, which is what he's best at. Um, it, it's going to be masterful to watch on the defensive end of the floor, a nightmare for any opposing team. Yeah, I was talking to a friend about it, and I was like, well, who's going to protect the rim? And he's like, well, who's going to get to the rim? I'm like, this is kind of a fair point. I love that. I'm going to steal that. Yeah, I don't blame you. I instantly took it from him. Um, the The yeah. other aspect is one, one thing that interests me a little bit is that you have guys that can create their own shots, but I don't necessarily feel like there are players that create for other people amazingly. And it's not me trying to say like you need this pure point guard. I know people have kind of thrown that around a lot. I don't necessarily think that's what it is, but if everybody is just creating for themselves, I feel like there's a chance of people getting a little bit unhappy. Do you think that there's maybe a bit of a worry with that or am I just reading into this too much? You know, so it's interesting because you look at the success the Raptors had in the finals, right? I mean, Kawhi aside, they thrived with a bunch of guys who could get their own. And I guess I'm kind of sidestepping the question of not a true passer. And that's that. I mean, you asked about the team missing Danilo Gallinari. I think they were pretty they were pretty bummed to let go of Shea Gilgis Alexander. I think. I think that guy's a future all-star he, and his passing acumen is incredible. But, um, yeah, the, the true point guard factor, it'll be interesting. I think, I think Patrick Beverly can be that floor general. Um, then again, I have yet to see how things really play out as, as it stands. But I think, um, I don't think that's the, the roster's biggest concern in lacking a, uh, a true passer, so to speak. But we, we will see. And that could be something that the Clippers have the flexibility to go out and kind of identify a, a veteran point guard that they can bring on board. Um, if it's not the bargain bin big, as I like to, uh, point out. Hey guys, just want to give you a quick reminder that if you like what you're listening to, we'd really appreciate a quick rating and review of the podcast on itunes or wherever you're getting this podcast and if you want to follow us on twitter we'd love to interact with you we can take your questions answer them on the podcast as well that is at kings underscore pulse we also got an instagram kings underscore pulse and we are the official podcast of uh, reddit r slash kings 
We got a sticky thread on there if you want to ask questions. So we really appreciate it, and, and thank you very much for listening. Are you currently paying off student debt, interested in improving your financial literacy, or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. Yeah, speaking more on bigs and uh, speaking more on some young guys, uh, the Clippers did this kind of this news kind of got lost in the mix with everything that happened with them, but they did make a pretty aggressive move to move up into the first round and grab a big man in Fiondu Kamengele. Have you seen anything from him, or what's the word around uh, camp? There, does it seem like it's going to be a couple of years until he's you know in that uh, center rotation, or is this a guy that the the team is really high on? So it's so funny because. I, I wasn't at Las Vegas Summer League, but I did, my station did have me cover randomly in the Sweet 16, which was played out here in Southern California. They had me cover Florida State for one of our affiliates. So who, lo and behold, who's on the, that team is C and Terrence Mann. And watching, watching their brand of basketball and the way they carry themselves, um, I think they fit right in line with the Clippers culture. And I do think has the potential for, for limited minutes. I mean, you look at the big rotation right now, and you've got Zubat, uh, you got Trez, uh, a little bit of Jermichael Green, and then maybe Fee can be that guy, but I, the problem is, is right now this roster is, you know, championship now. It's the, and that mindset doesn't always lend itself towards the development of younger players in a friendly and forgiving fashion. So they're not going to have, like last year, the the environment around the team was like, yeah, give the sh- give Shay the ball, like let him figure it out. But right now the, the culture is not so forgiving. Okay. So last year you guys, you know, you have Zubak sitting there as the other big and he's the starting guy here. And now the goals switch to a championship. Like I kind of mentioned earlier, do you feel like he he can be a starter on a championship level team? Like there's still a lot to be desired of him. There's a nice little bit of upside, or is that kind of where you talk about this bargain big? Do they even have potential to be the starting big when they come in? You know, I think there's a lot of belief that Zoo can be the starting guy. He's 22 years old. He's like what playing 20 minutes a game, and averaging like nine points and just over seven boards, and I think. The, the flashes they saw from him in his late time with the team, right? Because he was acquired from the Lakers. It was considered like highway robbery. Um, but I think what he ended the note or the season on a little bit of a sour note because in that playoff series against the Golden State Warriors, he was just played off the floor. Like, and you know, that's what they do to bigs. Like that, that team or what they did to bigs, that Golden State team just decimates guys who, can't hang with them defensively. So I think um, for Zoo, that he could truly be an X factor in this team's success moving forward. And if he's able to come together with confidence and uh, 
you know, keep with the, the defensive rotations. Um, I, I think that, and, and consistency also key from him. Um, I think that he will see more minutes or more time in his starting role. Um, and, and that really solidified, but we'll see how they fare without the true rim protecting big. Right. And Zubach, like you said, he really, it really did feel like the Lakers just didn't really want him and, and decided that they would take pocket change for whoever, whoever would take him on. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty surprising to see the Clippers go ahead and extend him or, or re-sign him to a four-year deal. He's going to be making a good amount of money, uh, up to $28.5 million over the next four years with that team option. Uh, did that contract surprise you? And, and maybe going into some of the other re-signings, did any of these deals uh, surprise you? Three years, 40 mil for Pat Bev, uh, three years, 15 for Magruder, and the 210 for Jermichael Green? You know what? I think Magruder and Green are great role players to have on the roster. Patrick Beverly is invaluable, just not only in in the style with which he plays, but his leadership and the culture and the tone he sets in that locker room. I was so excited to hear he was coming back. Um, he is, you know, he's really just kind of like a stalwart of this Clippers franchise, but I, or this version of the Clippers, I, I should say. Now, with Zoo, you might look at that contract as potentially a, a, a trade piece moving forward if, if he, and, and this is all just speculation, like who knows, who knows what that, I, I don't have anything to say, um, of the team's belief in him other than that they signed him, they traded for him, they were pretty, um, Stoked to put it in SoCal terms, they were pretty pumped on uh, getting him from the Lakers in the first place, and I think they there is belief, especially especially hearing Doc talk about him in uh, what he can accomplish and or what he could accomplish last season. So I think that like those expectations would move forward, but the pressure is on because now he's got the money and he's he's got a little bit more seasoning under his belt, so um, it's time for him to step up. Yeah, definitely. He's going to have the opportunity. And one other young guy that you guys traded for last year came in and torched the Celtics and had a nice little run going on for himself and just a great three point shooter. Um, Landry Shamit. I think that. Oh my gosh. There's potential awesome. of him starting on this team even for good reason. He's a great role player in that regard. But what do you see the amount of opportunity being available for Shamit next year? Just the the opportunity for him will be incredible because he's going to be the guy that can stretch the floor. He's got the confidence already, and he's proven that he can do it. And you know, maybe averaging about seven three three point attempts a game, um, that would be successful. And I what I love is that he's just been truly able to be unlocked in those some of those pick and pop packages that uh, Doc would use with JJ. So I think he's in the best system for him to thrive and like that type of player is a hot commodity in today's NBA so if he can just keep it up and and you know unfortunately there are very high expectations for him already um so he's, he's got to meet those and it's it's going to be fun having him on the floor and also seeing him potentially start alongside Kawhi Leonard and Paul George 
And getting back to that other major transaction over the summer, the enormous trade for Paul George. We mentioned that Gallinari and Shai are going to OKC in that deal. Uh, but we haven't mentioned, and I think we've got to mention, the sheer number of picks that also went in that deal. Uh, I'm counting four unprotected firsts, uh, an additional lottery-protected first, and two more pick swaps. Uh, it's a record-setting number of first-round picks that are going to be going to Oklahoma City. And you mentioned the ringer earlier. I just read recently about uh, how, you know, on the ringer they wrote about how, are we sure that the Clippers won this trade? And it's maybe a crazy thing to say because all of a sudden the Clippers are a favorite, if not the favorite, for a championship this very year. But is there, do you have any concern about that much draft capital leaving Los Angeles? So I'm of the personal stance that I, you know what, but, and I've, I, like lottery picks in, in transactions don't really, um, mean much to me. Like I, I, from a fan mindset, I'm like, Hey, trade them all, get who you got to get. Uh, I would tell you that as a Lakers fan too, you know, bring in the guys can, who can help us win now. And the Clippers window to win is now. And they viewed what they gave up as not just trading for Kawhi or for Paul George, but for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Um, so they made it happen on the flip side of the, the deal. Um, having, having covered and invested time in Oklahoma City, it's, it's sad to see the thing, you know, completely be taken apart. Russell and Paul leaving and just kind of calling it out. But I think that this is like the best, uh, the best case scenario for Sam Presti and his front office, um, and maybe a sigh of relief. Um, was that team last year as it stood really going to push for the NBA finals? I, I don't think so. And I don't even know if they believe so. So, um, it was, I think the Thunder made out well. And I think for where the Clippers are and what they want to accomplish right now as a franchise, um, they're striking while the iron's hot, baby. Yeah, smart of them to do so. And one other question I have about Kawhi, and it, it kind of relates to PG also here, is what do you make of this load management that he was doing? I know I heard Jovan mention that he kind of shut down the idea of it in the introduction press conference, but it would make sense he's had injury concerns and issues in the past. And the same with Paul George. Do you think that he could kind of adopt the same uh, style and this load management idea that Kawhi sort of started? Yeah, I think, I think health is of the utmost priority. And I don't think you, you bring Kawhi to the Clippers if you don't assure him that, and we know this because of how we thought go wrong in San Antonio and how it went right in Toronto. So whether that was, whether Toronto's approach was, um, catered especially to, to what Kawhi was coming in with, um, I would expect that if there's even a hint of something wrong, you know, that same load management term gets, gets tossed around a whole lot more frequently. At the very least, I mean, the Clippers are playing 13 back to backs. I, I would expect Kawhi to sit out, um, on either night of those 13 back to back. So, uh, that's, I mean, that he, he kind of pushed back. Definitely. I was at that introductory press conference and, you know, he said he expected to play the season, but, um, I would, I would guess that we're talking about load management at some point during these 82 games. 
Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And it, it does, the team has a feeling that it, it's, they're already thinking about the postseason. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if they're just like, Hey, we, we just want to get in, find a nice matchup, make sure we got, you know, some, some home court advantage, at least in the first round or two. And then we'll worry about the Western Conference finals. But, uh, Obviously, a very, very busy offseason for this team. Uh, here on this podcast, we are transaction completionists, so I will mention that Patrick Patterson was also added to the team. Do that. Yeah, Do there that. you go. Come into Hollywood. Yeah. So, if, if, I yeah. If you want to have a dialogue on that, we can. I just thought we'd throw it out there. It's just a, so it, that is the most recent news uh, in the NBA right now. It's not groundbreaking earth shattering news but he did uh, get get signed there it does sound like you've got some something to say on that i can tell you patrick patterson's a huge movie guy big movie guy no so it's interesting because he never really got the consistency or rhythm um in oklahoma city like he you know came came to okc then carmelo came and uh, minutes and rotations very irregular. So his production, I don't know if what he put out in a Thunder uniform was really reflective of where he is in his career or how he adjusted the role he was playing with that team. So it, you know, he could be a, a guy who can stretch the, the floor for the Clippers also, um, add some more uh, depth to the front court. But I, I don't know, having watched him falter last last year again. Um, I mean, he wasn't much of a factor for the Thunder, so it's going to be interesting to see if a new environment and uh, I mean, I guess he'll be playing alongside Paul again, but like a new environment, new teammates, um, new coach will help him find that rhythm to be a, a little bit more consistent. Yet another guy who plays his same spot that we haven't touched on actually is Mo Harkless, and he was a acquired in this weird four-team trade that was really just trying to get Jimmy Butler to Miami, but he's a great player. I think that he fits this this style very well. He's a 3 and D guy. Even if the shot needs a little bit of work at times, he can hit it. And I, I think that there's potential pot possibly for him to be in this starting lineup. It's not going to be easy. And part of it is that there's so many variables and different ways you could go about the starting lineup with inserting one or two different guys. But what do you think mm -hmm. about Harkless coming into this team? He's not really getting talked about much. I mean, it's it, it's just so interesting. Like, there's so many elements of this roster that are kind of like, oh, yeah, he's on the team, you know. Uh, and it's also the fact that we're not playing basketball right now. So uh, I, I think, you know, to say it succinctly, like, I agree with everything you said. And um, 3 and D is. It's such a valuable commodity in today's league. So I think he's going to fit in perfectly. And um, we'll see. I think you're right. Like, there's a couple of different combinations depending on who's playing what quote-unquote position uh, that that he could be inserted into the starting lineup and fit seamlessly. So now that we've touched on all the transactions, let's look forward to this upcoming season. We'd like to ask all of our guests who we see as the candidate, the best candidate to take a big step forward. I think probably right now the favorite that, that the average person would say is probably Shamet. 
He definitely looked nice last year as a rookie, so there's some natural thought behind that. But you've also mentioned Zoo, as well as I wanted to throw out there kind of a lost name on the Clippers uh, roster in Jerome Robinson. What's going on with him? And and just to to take the question as a whole, is there anyone else I'm leaving out? Who's taking the biggest step forward? Oh, boy. Um, You know, I think I'll I'll probably just have to go. Okay, so I think we've already seen Sham hit a pretty high, high ceiling as a rookie. I would say Zoo is taking the biggest step forward just because the improvement would be the most noticeable. Um, And then Jerome Robinson, you know, it's going to be an interesting environment for him to try and build that consistency and confidence you want to see guys in their second years develop in this climate uh, with this team because it, he wasn't, you know, much of a factor last season. I think there's, you, I think most Clippers uh, fans and, and people associated with the team say they saw flashes, but um, with him, like, like we touched upon with the, rookies earlier with C and Terrence Mann, like the the time is now for the squad. So um there's not gonna be much opportunity to waiver. So I guess in your in your uh, uh question, I'm gonna sidestep a little from the the typical answer of Landry Shamit and uh I'll go I'll go with Zubot. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna impress some people this season. It definitely would be great for the team. We we're talking about how we need somebody to really step in and fill that role. If you already have it on your roster, even better. Um, to kind of look at the yeah. other side of the question, who do you think is going to take a step back? I feel like the obvious one is probably Lou Williams, just from less opportunity, and maybe Pat Bev. And you kind of mentioned Paul George a little bit too, hoping he stays at that MVP level. Do you think he does? I yeah, that's. I mean, that's a great proposition because. You know, you look at the narrative of this guy coming in, uh, on one of the hottest teams in the league, the, you know, coming off of shoulder surgery, double sh- shoulder surgery, missing significant time, and then, you know, trying to put it all together with another, uh, you know, MB- NBA MVP, uh, or finals MVP. So like, it, the pressure is going to be on for Paul, uh, if if all goes well with his healing, I think he'll respond. Now, Lou, I don't know if you'd say a big step back, but I think you're going to see minutes drop for both Lou Williams and Pat just because of their age. Um, you want to kind of keep keep them playing uh, at, at a lower lo- with lower load uh, throughout the course of the regular season, so that they can really shine in the postseason. And I mean, hey, if you've got if you've got the depth on your roster to shave off a couple of their nightly minutes, then do it by all means. Um, and then maybe you see Lou take that step back in his production because he's not just the go-to guy in the fourth quarter, um, you know, the the automatic bucket getter on this team anymore because there are other other stars to take into consideration. So I hate calling it a step back, but I do think that Lou might, um, you know. His role shifts just a tad. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, 
and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, moving to identifying some strengths and weaknesses of this team, we've covered some of them. Uh, obviously, among the strengths are going to be the star power, the guys that are able to go out there and just make it happen, create their own shots. Just probably a lot of clutch play on this team. Uh, you know, and then some weaknesses we've identified, the maybe lack of a, a rim protector. Uh, there isn't a true point guard, though that may not be a huge issue, but what are some strengths and weaknesses that we may not have touched on going forward? Yeah, I mean, I just think the defensive identity of this team, and I know I mentioned it already, but they're going to be so fun to watch on the other end uh, of the floor. Um, and I, I think weakness-wise, I would have to go with you on both the lack of a rim-protecting big, the true point guard, um, and, you know, health. Health is a, a weakness too at this point in the preseason or, or in the off season because we just don't know. There's so many question marks around it. So, uh, not to, not to just kind of hop on the boat with you, but I, I do think you hit upon the biggest strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And one other thing we like to touch on is the storylines going into the year. And I think a really obvious one is the two duos that are both in the same city, stare, sharing the same stadium. The teams overall, though, it's more than just the two players. How do you feel like this dynamic is going to work? And I guess before going into the teams, do you think that the Clippers can ever pass the Lakers in terms of just being the city? At least like long term, maybe not, you know, 17 championships and blah, blah, blah. But for a year, can the Clippers be the team in L.A.? That's a really tough thing because it, it to me, being a basketball nerd, you look at the Clippers and it's like, yeah, this team is awesome. Like, who wouldn't be on board? But then there's the other side, the fans that grew up loving the Lakers that, you know, grew up in, in Southern California knowing nothing but purple and gold. And and honestly, the Clippers have been a laughing stock for the, a long portion of their existence. I, I don't think L.A. will ever be theirs. Um, as for this season being the hot commodity, um, maybe. And I do think you see a shift in the, the fandom of the NBA, uh, trending more towards the players. He, and there's also even a significant contingent of Golden State fans in Los Angeles, but it is a Lakers town through and through. I've, I've heard that I wasn't here covering the, um, the Lob City era, but even then the Clippers weren't the the highly coveted team in Los Angeles. So I have a hard time just looking at history, thinking that that could happen. But in all honesty, like, it's fine. I just want to watch good basketball. So, you know, the the only problem is, is like, hey, people listen to listen to the podcast, you know? Absolutely. And getting into our last couple of questions here, we want to ask you about win totals and over-unders, but one question that's going to help formulate those numbers for us is figuring out who is going to be starting for this team and who the primary players off the bench are going to be. Uh, I feel like we've kind of gotten there just through other questions, but do you feel like it's going to be something like Pat Bev, Shemette, uh, Kawhi, and Paul George when he's healthy with Zoo out there as a starting five and, and Harrell 
and Lou Williams as the kind of uh, the deadly six, six and a half, seventh man. Uh, I guess I'd say two six and a half men or whatever. I mean, they're both six men of the year candidates, so uh, they're both six men in my eyes. But is that the is that the primary rotation you think? Yeah, I I would say so. Um, and then you know you might be able in some matchups to, I I mean, like I I just think that having that pick and roll combo of Lou and Trez coming off the bench is is what you want, um, especially you know when when your starters are off the floor to have that ability to score is invaluable, um, and. I would, I would guess maybe we see a little bit of staggering with Kawhi and Paul. Um, but you know, it's, it, it's going to be great to watch them play alongside each other. And I, I guess like to not, to not really like just once again say retweet to what you put out there, but I would say the most likely starting lineup, um, would be, you know, Zoo at the five. You've got PG and Kawhi throwing Sham and Patrick Beverly out there. Uh, maybe, maybe Jamichael Green starting, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, you mentioned Green starting at the end. That was kind of what I heard Yovan throw out a little bit of a Beverly George Leonard Green Zubak because, like PG, for example, in Indiana is known for saying, "No way, I'm not going to play the four. And guys are just known for not wanting to do that. The difference is that it feels like so many threes move to the four. So you're not really banging with guys the same way that you were before. Maybe when you're against yeah. Philadelphia and it's Horford or Paul Millsap, maybe a little bit, Blake Griffin, something like that, but it's different. And there's a lot of choices for the starting lineup based on who you're playing. And I think that Doc Rivers is really being slept on in all this. Have you have you got a chance to speak on him? He's great at managing egos. He's done this before in Boston. Have you got a chance to speak on him, to hear from him in any sort of way about how he's feeling with the new roster? You know, I haven't talked to, um, wait, I, yeah, no, I don't think I've talked to him since, uh, the addition of Kawhi and Paul, but I, I did ask him exactly about Green starting uh, or potentially being a starter at center during the Golden State Clippers playoff run, uh, playoff series last season because there was one game I think game three or four that he uh, put green in to start at the second half and so that was kind of a flash that like he's not opposed to doing it but it was it was also in a situation where it's like you don't do it until that point because you don't want to ruin the confidence of zoo um, and just kind of destroy him but also I think at one like at that far into the you know playoff series where it's like all right what else do we have to lose and he was willing to do it so I think it shows that he he sees it he sees the opportunity there and um, if Green can rise to the occasion he could very well be inserted into the starting lineup I guess it all depends on how like like we've been wondering how Zoo is going to either you know rise up or take a step back. So getting out of that over under. Vegas generally has them around 55 wins. Does that feel about right to you, or would you go higher or lower? It feels right, but I am also just so hesitant with the injuries surrounding Paul and Kawhi. I'm also hesitant with the caliber of competition in the West. 
Um, I think there's going to be a rat race and the cluster of, I forget what like the, the difference in wins was between like what three through nine last or three through, yeah, three through nine even, right? Weren't you guys, you, you know, it's just like, it's such, um, such a cluster. So I feel 55 could be a little generous. I'll, I'll take the under on that. How about you guys? I think so. And that's just regular season though. Like I feel like when I'm making my tier lists, I have to really differentiate between a regular season and a postseason. Because once you reach postseason, as long as those guys are healthy, you could be anywhere in the standings. And obviously you don't want to play yeah. the best teams at the beginning, but it, as long as you get there with a healthy roster, this team has the potential to go all the way. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, you're, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm right there with you. It, it, we talked about this a little bit on our last episode we did with um, someone from the Bucks because the Bucks are obviously in the mix for the championship as well. Uh, and they are almost always listed with a higher over under. And I think that is a function of that health and, and that scheduled rest concept where if you could tell me right now that the Clippers will, will have perfect health, I, they're 100% my pick to win it all. But that 55, that lower over under, and even taking the under on that, it actually makes a ton of sense to me considering how future focused they'll be, how postseason focused they'll be, how much rest guys like Kawhi and Paul George will get. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if they came in under that and yet still made it to the finals. Look at us. We're all in agreement here. And then our final question for you is, is projecting out forward beyond just this upcoming year, but looking down the road, you know, maybe three or four years because Kawhi is only locked in for two years. I believe the same for Paul George. There's that third year team option or player option, excuse me, but maybe projecting beyond that as well. Obviously your contenders in the present, but does this feel like a core of a team that's going to be playing for the Clippers for a long time, or do you think that there's risk of it being shaken up in a few years? It's so interesting because part of me looks at this team and even in the character of its two stars, right? And it, it just all makes so much sense. It's a smart team. It's a gritty team. It's a tough team and it's a blue collar team. So the, the idea and I, talking to Yovan too, I think he said, you know, I forget what his number was, but it was definitely longer than two years. He sees this, this group sticking together, uh, or at least Pat and Kawhi, or sorry, Paul George and Kawhi, um, being in Clippers uniforms longer than two years. But then you look at the landscape of the league right now and the way things are trending with, you know, player, it's almost like <laughs> the only way you could do it better is have a draft an all-player NBA draft at the beginning of every season and be like, all right, these are the teams. You know, there's so much movement right now. And part of it's exciting, but part of it also creates a lot of uncertainty um, for the stability of front offices in the teams they're building. So I would have to say, um, let's see, projected years that we see kind of like this era of Clippers basketball and the era being defined by Kawhi and Paul George, I'm going to go with, uh, let's say four years in uniforms. I'm an optimist. So, um, I'll, I'll take the, that number. I think that's a, a lengthy number at that too. Yeah. And I think it's reasonable to think that you'd be a championship contender every single year that you have those two guys on the roster. 
Um, that's yeah. pretty much all the Clippers questions we had for you. I know you are around Team USA. I wanted to get just, do you have any sort of impressions you've gotten on our, our gem and Fox or Barnes that's been there as well? Oh, they're so much fun, you guys. And, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for the Kings this season. Like, and also, you know, knowing the way Luke Walton, having spent time around the Lakers, the way Coach Walton wants to play basketball, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect for Sacramento. You guys are going to have these, the games the Kings are going to put together are going to be fun, high flying and just nonstop action. So I think De'Aaron Fox could be one of the best point guards in the league in a couple of years. Um, he's, he's a next level talent and he's just getting started. So I, I think you guys have plenty to, to be excited about as well. Yeah, we feel the same way. Definitely a, a new era beginning here in Sacramento, but we just want to thank you so much, Nikki, for coming on. Uh, everyone should go and follow Nikki on Twitter at Nikki. That's N I K K I K. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I'm realizing <laughs> saying your name out loud isn't I know, helping the spelling. It's so hard. It's it, so it, hard. It's Nikki K S N one, and that's is spelled N I K K I K A Y S N one. And where else can people find your work? Um. Well, you know, I I tweet out a lot of my clips. I'm on Instagram. It's a very professional handle, Lil K. You know, um, but yeah, a lot of my stuff is on TV, and you can always like, comment, and subscribe to uh, the Clippers Beat podcast. It's new. I'm I'm a newer addition to the the Clippers Beat um, in terms of covering this team. So I hope that you know with some of my combined experience from covering the Thunder and some familiarity with the team from the last half of last year's season uh, will we'll mean that this one's uh, going to be a fun one. There we go. Yeah, well, thank you again, Nikki, and thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. You will hear from us again in the next couple days.